Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 11, verses 15 through 20. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, even as on us at the beginning. I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If then God gave to them the same gift as us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I, that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. They, therefore, who are scattered abroad by the oppression that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word of God to no one except to Jews only. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. All right, so while Peter was preaching, this is what Peter accounts took place. Verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, even as on us at the beginning. At the beginning of the Christian church, those who had believed in Jesus received the promise of the Holy Spirit, which was poured out on them on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Those who received the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 were Israelites who had gathered from near and afar, meaning from the dispersion or surrounding nations, for the Jewish day of Pentecost. Peter's testifying before these circumcision men here in Acts 11 that the Gentiles also received the Holy Spirit in the same manner, just as the Jewish believers had at the beginning. Peter continues, verse 16, I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If God then gave to them the same gift as us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I, that I could withstand God? John the Baptist had testified in Mark 1.8, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Peter knew that Jesus' disciples are baptized in the Holy Spirit. When he saw the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit just as they had, he had referenced such a concept. He knew God had also accepted the Gentiles into God's fold. Jesus had referenced such a concept when he said in John 10, 16, Other sheep I have that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. The Gentiles were the other sheep to which Jesus was referring. Peter had said that if God gave the same gift of the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles, who is Peter that he could withstand God? Or some translations render Peter saying, Who was I, that I could stand in God's way? Peter was to no longer avoid sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. Jesus died for them as well. God didn't even give Peter the chance to get in the way of the Gentiles' free access to God and Christ through faith, as it related to Cornelius and his household receiving the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus baptized those Gentiles who were listening with the Holy Spirit before Peter could even finish preaching. Beyond simply preaching the word, God didn't need Peter's mediation for the Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't need for Peter to baptize them with water first for them to be saved. He did not need Peter to lay hands on them in order for them to receive the Spirit. As Peter had done with the Samaritans, these Gentiles had free access to God in Christ. And by their faith in Jesus, they had received His Spirit as a gift. Peter didn't baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Jesus did. And if you've received Jesus by faith, Jesus has also baptized you with the Holy Spirit. You can be assured, as the Apostle Paul assured the Ephesians in Ephesians 1.13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The Apostle Paul emphasizes this point to the church in Galatia as well when he tells them passionately that they didn't receive the Spirit in any way other than by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. You hear the gospel, you believe in Jesus, you receive the Spirit. It's that simple. Jesus baptizes you with a Spirit when you believe, and you're thus born again in spirit. All right, so Peter finishes recounting these things before the church in Judea. Let's see how they respond. Verse 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Remember in verse 2 of this chapter, when Peter had come up to Jerusalem, those who were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. I love that they heard Peter out. After Peter's explanation, they didn't continue to contend over the petty matter of Peter eating with the Gentiles. They held their peace. Now they saw the bigger picture and turned their attention toward the incredible fact that God had granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. They glorified God because of the news they received from Peter about the Gentiles. When we contend with others about frivolous matters and God shows us the truth and perhaps ways in which we were wrong, hopefully we can be like these Christians in Judea who held their peace regarding their contention with softened hearts, responding positively and in submission to what they were learning, praising God in unity. Verse 19. They, therefore, who were scattered abroad by the oppression that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews only. If you recall from Acts 8, verse 1, after Stephen's execution, it says, There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And here in Acts 11.19, it tells us the scattering had brought some as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. This is getting out into Gentile territory, although they only spoke the word to Jews. If these were scattered there after Stephen's martyrdom, then they wouldn't have been in Judea 
to have heard Peter's recent accounting here in Acts 11 of God having granted salvation to the Gentiles. So they did what Peter was previously doing, only speaking the word to the Jews. God shows no partiality. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God didn't just love the Jews so that any Jew who believes in him might have eternal life. No, he loved the entire world so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. God excludes no one from the salvation offered through Christ. He invites all to receive what Jesus has done on our behalf. Peter taught in his epistle that God does not wish for any to perish, but would rather that all reach repentance. And the Apostle Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 that God desires for all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. I wonder if we ever show partiality like these early Christians did in whom we decide should receive the word of God. Do we offer the message of salvation through Christ freely at all? Or do we exclude people from this invitation? Maybe we wouldn't consciously do this, but are there certain quote-unquote enemies to whom we are particularly unmotivated to share Jesus? Like the prophet Jonah who didn't want to forgive the Ninevites, nor see them forgiven by God. Are there people that we don't want to see get saved? That if we ever had the chance to share the gospel with them, would we refuse? Do we want to see Jehovah's Witnesses get saved, but not Buddhists? Or university liberal atheists, but not ex-cons? This isn't to say some of us might have specific hearts and ministry callings towards particular people groups or demographics, but it shouldn't be so extensive as to want to exclude others outside of that category from hearing the gospel message as well. All right, moving on, starting in verse 20. But there are some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. Some disciples came to Antioch, which at the time was a city of more than a half million people, Sometimes the Bible uses the term Hellenist to refer to Greek-speaking Jews. Here, though, many scholars believe the term is used in a broader sense to basically refer to Greek Gentiles. We see here in Antioch for the first time Gentiles specifically being targeted by Christians in their evangelism efforts for the gospel. Imagine you've got a half million dollars in the bank account. You want to use that money to build something on your property that your kids can enjoy for generations, right? But let's say you're only allowed access to a small percentage of the funds, like maybe just a couple thousand dollars or something. But suddenly the bank releases its hold on your account and you're allowed full access to the half million. How excited would you be? Instead of just having a couple thousand allotted towards this building project for your posterity, Suddenly, you have access to everything in the bank. The half million people in Antioch were fair game for the Christians to pursue for the sake of the gospel. Some of these believers showing up in Antioch had left Jerusalem, a place full of Jews that for the most part wanted them dead. They were entering a city full of tens of thousands of Gentiles. 
So instead of just sharing the gospel with the limited amount of Jews in Antioch, some of whom would likely share the same sentiment as those in Jerusalem who opposed them, I wonder if some of them thought, why not begin sharing the gospel with both the Gentiles as well as the Jews here in Antioch? I mean, you'd be working with a much larger pool of people, and maybe the Gentiles will be more curious and receptive to the gospel message than most of the Jews have been up to this point. Who knows their thought process? But them fishing for disciples, so to speak, here in Antioch, makes me think of Jesus telling the disciple fishermen to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. Remember, they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. But then Jesus tells them to cast the net on the other side of the boat. They do so, and as a result, can barely haul in the massive catch. Now, the early church Christians had been fishing for Jesus' followers among the Jews. Now it was time for them to cast their nets towards the Gentiles as well. For by this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. If you possess all knowledge, understand all mysteries, you're just a clinging symbol. Without love you are nothing. With a love you gain nothing If you give up your very body to be burnt Fate to remove mountains But you don't have love You are nothing For by this By this one thing This one. 
That was Four by This from the Adams Road album Son of Man. Behold, I'm standing here. Do you know I am at your door and I am knocking? And I am waiting for you. I see.
was knocking from the Adams Road album Son of Man. This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com 
Again, that's adamsroadministry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Come join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 11, verses 20 to 25. Grace and peace be with you all.